episode 199 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord, and after two weeks of forgetting to write a monologue, I'm hoping that this asinine bit can finally die. Uh, and if it does, we'll have finally answered the ultimate question of my existence. What is more powerful, my commitment to the bit or my laziness? I think the results speak for themselves. And I'm Cameron Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> 199 that's so crazy it's I, i'm genuinely having a hard time believing that yeah we must have skipped some numbers i i, I mean i wouldn't put it past us <laughs> yeah at all <laughs> i like to think i have this stuff pretty well planned out but mm -hmm. i, I mean i'm the one that does the artwork yeah, <laughs> i have typed out every every one <laughs> i love how every episode it starts off before we record i ask i ask you where's this episode right mm -hmm. Like, you know the answer. <laughs> I mean, I, I sometimes know the sometimes answer. Sometimes you know the answer. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't missed any. Now, ooh, okay, here, here's a real question for you, Cameron. Um, I suppose we could do this next week when we hit uh, 200, but let's... We let's have just, so many big plans Let's so, for, so for many plans. Uh, let's go ahead and do it here. We have 199 official episodes. Oh. How <laughs> many episodes total have we published? I'm going to... It's, I'm going to throw out either 236 or 243. You were very close. 247 as of this uh, episode. Very, very so close. Much. Very, very close. So we're also going to celebrate 250 right after the 200? Exactly. <laughs> we, do we have to do like a bonus episode that's about our 250th episode? I mean, after I we feel just like did we our 200th episode. Yeah. <laughs> We haven't done a bonus episode in a while. We haven't. I actually have an idea on that that I'm going to chat with you off air about. Okay. But I have some suggestions to throw out to you for possibly a bonus episode to sneak in here as we finish out our run. Is it a backdoor pilot for Titan Talk? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how long we can keep that bit going of you mentioning Titan Talk and me saying nothing. Is it a bit? It doesn't feel like a bit. I don't know if it's a bit or not. It feels like me desperately trying to hang on to this friendship. And me being like ready, <laughs> ready to discard it entirely. We can go back to not being friends off air. Great. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, that is pretty crazy. 199. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. I don't know. We'll do something for 200. Haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. I mean, we have, well, I'm doing one episode next week. Yeah. And then our short list. Yeah. Oh, right. The short list. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. again is, will be like last season. I'm sure. It's, it's where, the whole, the yeah. whole thing. I think it's a little bit the whole thing. Mm -hmm. so. Uh, will be fun. But uh, no news this week. We already covered DC Fandom last week. The only things we were talking about was some of those trailers. So I think we can just jump straight into our episodes. Oh, man. We're in it. Let's we, do it. We are in it, yeah. So starting off with Panic in the Sky. So picking up where things left off at the end of Flashpoint. Uh, uh, after Lex Luthor remote-fired the Watchtower's orbital cannon to frame the Justice League, the League is left in a state of shock on the depowered Watchtower. The founding members decide to turn themselves into the government, which is terrible timing, because Amanda Waller sends Galatea and an army of Ultimate clone drones to defeat the remaining League and destroy the Watchtower. Meanwhile, Batman is on his own mission to confront Waller, and Lex Luthor moves into the final phase of his own nefarious plot. So, lots happening here. So much going on. I mean... So much is going on, but also the bulk of this episode is just a big fight sequence on the Watchtower between all of the old, like the unlimited members that have been added this series with Galatea and the Ultimate, and it's glorious. 
and it's it's brutal. It is. It's really really intense. So if if I can ask a question about that right off the top, sure. Um, we we've had a long over the past 199 episodes, mm-hmm. 247 episodes. Yes, we've consistently talked about anything inorganic can just be brutally destroyed by the Justice League members. Yes, the plants from Poison Ivy, mm-hmm. uh, ventriloquist gets brutally murdered multiple times. Well, Scarface, to be Scarface, specific. Sorry, Scarface yeah. gets murdered multiple times. <laughs> Arnold Wesker. Does Whenever not. they get the chance, they <laughs> obliterate that thing. Yeah. When it comes to the Ultimate, there's a couple of them, they just like, explode. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's become a, a, a weird gray area because they're still humanoid in shape and in look. Right. And they're organic clones, but are they people or are they products? How, how can they go about destroying and dismantling this army? Given that... Waller makes a specific comment about how they have no consciousness and they feel no pain. I feel like that was their justification for doing whatever the fuck they want with them. Cause you're right. Some of them are like pretty brutally dispatched. So I, it's really just the water ones, the water ones. They, they get to do whatever they want. <laughs> they just do whatever the hell they feel like. I, I think it's fair to say that they're treating this. Like they're definitely towing that line of like, well, they're not really human. So we can do whatever we want. With them. Mm-hmm. Cause he, like we've even talked about it. Even Jean has had some like pretty brutal, attacks on him at various points because he's like technically kind of not human yeah he got ripped in half a few times yeah which is fine because he can literally just like pull himself back together yeah quite literally but yeah i mean it's it's a pretty brutal fight across the board but man my god is it good but i mean just right from the very beginning like this this episode like isn't pulling punches um you know like it, it starts off with Waller talking with Galatea and setting up for her mission to go off. And then she's getting to like leave. And right before she leaves, she turns back and turns to Hamilton and just hugs him and says, goodbye, daddy and walks away. Do you think when I I watched that scene, all I saw was Bruce Tim saying that to himself while drawing Galatea. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I mean, maybe just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does go to show that they take a moment even to give her a little bit of humanity, even though she's like the big bad of this episode. I mean, she is Supergirl's clone. She is Kara. Yeah. And it does make sense that you still see those little bits of Kara in there. Yeah. It's it's like a, it's a pretty touching moment. It's the, the last time we see Hamilton, too. And it's like the last oh, thing man. he sees is his his pseudo daughter basically going off to what she knows will be her her death or at least her her end. In her, one way or her, the vapor, other. her vaporization. Yeah, I with mean, a sick haircut. Oh, that's a great haircut. But after, after she's fried, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, very nineties. Oh, very very nineties. Uh, and then yeah, at that point, it kind of cuts back to the league, and they're they're figuring out what to do here and whether they should send down more help to go uh, aid the rescue. And what we now know is New Mexico, where the the Orwell cannon went off. Um, and Flash is the one that says like, maybe don't send anyone else down here. We don't want to look like an invading army. And you could tell at this point, Superman's just like fucking defeated. Yeah, and and Flash through these through both of these episodes, the, these are Flash's stories now. Yeah, like Flash is truly the conscience and the heart of the league at this moment. Yeah, and he's doing everything he can to just kind of keep the group together. Yeah, he's trying so hard, and he he can see it all fraying, all coming apart, and he's just trying to do the best he can, while also recognizing like. People don't take him seriously, but they do kind of take him seriously because he's a founder. Mm-hmm. But also, he's like the jokester. So, like, I think he, even he's surprised that he has a seat at that table. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, because they even make that joke in the next episode. They do. Yeah. <laughs> 
I've got a big chair up there on the watchtower. Yeah. I'm gonna paint my name on the or paint my symbol on the table. Yeah, but so the league is trying to figure out what to do, and they basically like come to the decision that the one step they can take is to go ahead and dismantle the orbital cannon, just kind of like as a sign of good faith. And then Superman decides the only other thing they can really do is go ahead and turn themselves in, the founding members in. Well, I think it was it was really interesting seeing all their viewpoints because mm-hmm. it's the specific people who pitched the ideas. Yeah, GL came in with a very militaristic, very like police attitude. Right. Of we're not here to be liked. We're here to save people. At the end of the day, that's yeah. all that matters. Wonder Woman comes in with a very po- with a very like political view. I mean, she is the representative of the mascara. Yeah. She comes in with like, no, we should be cooperative. We should play nice until we're proven innocent. Yeah. We should you know kind of do what they say, and then Superman finally realizing how much of a threat he is understands like no i need to disarm myself i am the nuclear bomb and i need to disarm myself yeah and you guys can come too yeah and you can come along if you must yeah yes yeah, so they decide that they're gonna go turn themselves in and the, the flash agrees to join them and batman's just like no yeah i'm not part of your league yeah he's like uh a member i'm a part-timer i don't have to do anything you want like i don't have to do anything is literally what he tells them because he's like this is dumb why the hell would i turn myself in yeah, and I loved Wonder Woman's response after that. Was, he took it better than we expected. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there was, he answered. That's you know that's always hey, a great yeah, he, sign. He took the call, which is pretty good. But yeah, there was no way he was going to do that. But th- there's a nice little moment, um, you know, because Supergirl in particular is like really affected by the idea of them turning themselves in because you know I mean she's she's younger. She has a slightly different perspective on all of this. I think she's a little more overwhelmed by all of it. But in particular, seeing Superman decide that he has to treat himself like a villain or do what a villain should do in this case, which is turn himself in like really, really affects her. And I really like the talk that steel gives her about it's a beautiful speech about those guys. Like they're not the most powerful, but they're special, you know, and as, as he puts it, um, you know, they do what's right, not what's easiest. And they're really the inspiration for all the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm glad they gave that little moment to steel, who I think is just generally an underutilized character, including in this universe, but it's a really touching moment. Well, yeah, all these characters specifically, like this episode is like a follow-up of a Superman episode. Yeah. And we even see that kind of at the end of this and the start of the next episode. Mm-hmm. But having Steel and, and Supergirl being the one like, you know, you can't villainize yourself, Superman. She's the one that took the brunt force of the evil Superman. Yeah. And so like of her to be the one to like understand that. Yeah, that's a good point. If there's any one person on Earth that would feel victimized by superman's power it would be her and she's not and steel because like he yeah. was he was there yeah so it, it's really interesting that they they put a lot of the weight on those two characters i mean i guess like the cynical production side of me says that part of the reason they had to do that was because the bat embargo was fully in effect now and they couldn't <laughs> utilize any of the batman characters who have more long-running history here but that being said like aside from them the other heroes that have been around the longest would be supergirl and steel yeah. Really, so it makes sense that they would get a little moment to shine there, but it's really touching, and especially because Supergirl is going to be like the front and center of the fight once Galatea shows up. Um, but like I mentioned, Batman's kind of off on his own mission, so he's like he breaks into Cadmus, takes out Eiling with a batarang and a swift punch to the face, not even trying. No, not even looking. He doesn't even look at him when he throws the batarang. <laughs> he just knows. Is... He's that predictable. <laughs> Which is great. And he basically goes up to, to Waller. He's like, you know, you you said you were a patriot. You know, you need to believe that we didn't do this. And you need to be looking at Lex Luthor. It's like, we didn't fire it. There are three people on this planet who could have remote fired that cannon. Two of them were on the watchtower. 
only one of them is left. And she's like, would it be him, Manhunter, and Lex? I, no, I think. Uh, Adam? I think, he, I think he was probably referring to Adam and Steel would be my okay. guess. I don't know if he was referring to himself, because actually he wasn't on the Watchtower. That's true. Technically at the time, one. And it may be a, a rare moment of humility on his part that he says that, where it's like, th- th- that would make sense, because the Adam is probably the most like technologically competent of everyone up there. And then along with him, steel who has a slightly more like weapons focus. Cause I think those are the two people that probably could have engineered a system to make that happen. Okay. Um, but he's like, yeah, you need to be thinking about Luther who is just the fucking worst. So maybe you should consider him. And while I was like, he's just here to bankroll everything. Batman's like, are you fucking kidding no, me? Yeah. She even <laughs> says like, you know, he's only helping us because we'd make him president. Yeah. He's like, do you really think that's his ultimate goal is just to become president? It's enough. It's like, that would be enough for anyone else but him. Yeah. Like, come on, get your head out of your ass. We all know what's going on here. And she has to kind of like begrudgingly acknowledge like, mm, maybe he's right on this one. Maybe he's right. Fucking rich boy. <laughs> I bet this was the guy that stole my presidential phone. <laughs> She's still upset about that. Oh, I would yeah. be. She really had to bury that grudge in order to move forward. Well, because this scene I felt was really interesting because like this is the longest we've gone without Batman. Yeah. It, it, it was almost two and a half episodes. Yeah. We didn't see him at all. Where was he, Chris? He's in Gotham. Just doing his thing. Just doing his thing. Yeah. I like because the last time we saw him, if I remember correctly, the last time we saw him was at the end of Superman fighting uh captain app uh, captain marvel oh that's right he was recovering uh yeah and the last thing we see is superman look over his shoulder and be like we'll we'll fund the city yeah and i think batman had to go back to gotham and like really reorganize <laughs> some some money move around some assets <laughs> yeah in order to pay for all of it's this. been a rough three weeks for for bruce yeah like okay <clears throat> do you think at this point given how big the league is that they have some other funding other than just wayne tech well, I mean, Ollie's there now. Yeah. Uh, we don't know how much um, Star... No. Ollie runs Queen Industries. Queen Industries. There we yeah. go. Uh, I feel like he wouldn't fund it publicly. He definitely wouldn't fund it publicly. Yeah. But he may, like, you know, donate a lot at a charity event. <laughs> I'm sure they do a lot of charity events. They probably do a lot of charity stuff. And I, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's weird. Like, do you think... Bruce would have gone around and like try to collect some additional private investment, or do you think that would have he wouldn't do that because it would compromise like the sanctity of the league and it would make them beholden to other people in a way that would compromise their yeah their I, mission? he wouldn't he definitely wouldn't ask what yeah. I think he would what I where I think part of the money comes from it's a very small portion but it's mm-hmm. definitely visible is it's you know two thousand five very two thousand five as we've mentioned many times before what was big in two thousand five uh, the win a date charity events. <laughs> And so are you just thinking of win a date with Tad Hamilton because you still have Josh Dumel on the brain? Yes, but now it's the flash and he would set it up for himself by himself. He absolutely would. And he would really not raise very much money when he did it. Oh, but he'd be so proud of every dollar he raised. And he would like slam it on the table. Be like, here, put this in the fund. Here's 50 bucks. Yeah. He'd do more than 50. It can go to funding the cappuccinos on the watchtower. Yeah. But yeah, so like at this point, this is when shit really hits the fan. And by that, I mean a bunch of Damocles missiles hit the watchtower with drills on them and unload an army of Ultimen. Yes. Did you like that they included a little mention of Damocles oh, in there? Oh, so happy. Mr. Sword of Damocles? Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize it was mentioned before Christ on Two Earths. 
Was it? Yeah. So the I, I had to look it up. That these missiles were first introduced back in Superman. Were as a they? project Lex was working on privately. Oh. And I guess he was just starting the project back in the Superman episode. Interesting. Yeah. But it was they were called it was called Project Damocles back then. And so huh. I think they just reused the name for Two Earths. Were I mean, were they always intended to be space-based deployment missiles with drills in the front of them? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Things change. Actually, I just realized now uh, it's too late because the um, the Watchtower database video about Batman and Bond has already come out. But the uh, the drill heads on those missiles look just like the drill from Torn Never Dies. Ah, yeah. I think I've seen that one. That was the last Brosnan one, right? Uh, no, it was his second. OK, I've not seen that one. That's the one where he goes up against uh, a media mogul who wants exclusive broadcast rights in China. Great. So it's Josie and the Pussycats. Sure. Which I have not seen. <gasps> oh, Chris. <laughs> I know. It's wonderful. I know. I've I heard... was also very late to that one. I I've, just I've watched it last year. Heard it's great. I got to go watch it at some point. You will really like it. Yeah, I got to go watch it. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's actually it, it, it kind of works. It okay. sounds really stupid and it kind of is stupid, but also kind of works at the time. Um, but yeah, like so these missiles are heading towards the the watchtower. And it's been so long since I watched this. I, I thought like, oh, like, are they going to try and like deflect the missiles in some way and then of course like the nose cones open up and the big drill heads pop up and there's what like i think two dozen missiles that just collide with the watchtower at different places and then the drill heads pop off once they've breached into the watchtower and just unload a bunch of old men mm -hmm. it's a very interesting way to uh, deploy a bunch of villains so they i'm trying to remember the first time we meet the old men they make a point that the longer they're alive the stronger they get so is, oh yeah so is that why like they're i don't want to say they're like super easy to take down but you know they're kind of just fodder for the most part in this sequence yeah and I, I think you know they're being remotely controlled by galatea okay and i don't know how much effort she's really putting into making them think creatively i, I mean if you watch them they're all basically just acting as bruisers with powers, mm -hmm. right? They're not necessarily being strategic with their powers. They're not overlapping them in any sort of way. They're not working in it in tandem, except for that one time we get three, um, wind dragon, wind dragon. Yeah. Three wind dragons up against red tornado. I loved that moment. Oh. Red, well, cause like obviously red tornado is emotionless as a default, Yeah, but he just looked extra bored. Being yeah. like, ugh, I have to take out these children. The three of the the three wind dragons are concentrating so hard, <laughs> and like they do like a zoom in on Red Dragon's impassive robot face as mm -hmm. he takes them out. Was was that your favorite uh, like moment amongst the the big fight? Um, I I wrote a couple of them down. Mm -hmm. uh, the speech, the missiles, where uh, Red Tornado. Oh, the creeper, when the creeper takes them out. Oh, that was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, they have no idea how to handle it. No one has any idea how to handle it. Why the is he there? He snuck on. I, I, it still baffles me to this day. He probably there. latched onto one of the outside of the missiles because he was just doing undercover research. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where are we going? Oh, I'm going to the watchtower? Cool. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, I, he's, a, he's a league member because we've seen him pop up a number of times, but it just feels really bizarre that he would be amongst the league. Yeah. I guess he's like, he and Huntress are the only Batman characters they can... <laughs> they can get through the bat embargo because they're so tangential. Uh, and then the the next shot I also really loved when it's uh, Huntress and Q going mm -hmm. up against the the three wind dragons. Yeah, hits him with the the bedside pan. Yep, <laughs> and then Captain Adam ends up saving them. It's it's a nice little 
final kind of moment there for for that dynamic that played out, of course, in um in Flashpoint when they were trying to escape from Cadmus. So yeah, I, I liked that Captain Adam had his little moment to be a hero after he like basically betrayed the league. But it's look, it's a great fight sequence, and this these two episodes are structured in a brilliant way where this episode is really where the rest of the league gets a chance to shine. Like mm-hmm. all the supporting leaguers get a chance to shine. And then the next episode is really back to the, the core seven again, but it's done in a very effective way. Like you don't really feel like anyone's getting shortchanged. You don't feel like it's a cop out that it just gets down to the final seven because here everyone does get a moment to do something like really cool. Yeah. And especially Supergirl, like, she's the the lead hero on this it's like her and steel again steel goes down to the reactor core because he realizes that something's going wrong and galatea is down there trying to destabilize the core so it causes a full meltdown and he she tears through him to the point of his armor is shredded his hammer is destroyed and he's like brutally brutally oh, beaten. It, was, it was heartbreaking to see that he yeah was d- thoroughly destroyed yeah like he probably would have been moments from death up until supergirl shows up and then it's the showdown between Supergirl and Galantea, and it's so good. It is so one-sided. Supergirl oh, doesn't get yeah. a punch in for six minutes. Really? Yeah. Oh, she damn. she hits one punch. Yeah. Because I was I was really focusing on kind of the choreography, mm-hmm. and it's yeah she whiffs everything. I mean, Galatea has been aged up to like her physical peak. Has been trained specifically for combat in a way the supergirl hasn't Mm -hmm. and has a very different moral code and is not afraid of killing people yeah and especially when waller calls off the attack yeah hey i was wrong come back and galatea is like no uh nope thank you Mm -hmm. but i mean you know supergirl is able to get under her skin though she's like you're not a person you're just a weapon and it just enrages her to the point of giving Supergirl just like a little bit of an edge to get into that fight. But to your point earlier, at the end of the day, like the only way she's able to defeat Galatea is to wait until the watchtower slowly booted up again and then literally like drive a power cable into her body and fry her until she's alive. We get we get of course an Andrea Moan there to show that she's still alive, but wrecked. Yeah, he's, I like their how they do like injury, how they illustrate injury in this show. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we didn't really see this style until Justice League and JLU, where it's like the swirls on the stomach. And the, oh yeah, like the, it's like a burn pattern almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they they use that for Steel right before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use that when Supergirl is just getting the shit beat out of her. God. Uh, and then yeah, Galatea has the giant hole in her stomach. Yeah. After getting electroshocked. Yeah. And I, I think we can assume at that point that she's, I, I don't know, like comatose or just super incapacitated. But like she's out. Mm-hmm. She's out at this point. And like, to, I mean, because the watchtower comes back online. Everyone's like, yay. And the power falls back out again because Supergirl has basically like, you know, it's an oversimplification, but blown a fuse in the watchtower electrocuting Galatea, mm-hmm. which is really, really intense. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's it's just done so well. And it's like, they don't have to dedicate a lot of screen time to giving little moments of closure or kind of wrap up for a lot of these characters, her included. Yeah, okay. We're also going to, I assume we see her next season still too. I don't think so. I think this is it. Oh, wow. I'm, no, I mean, sorry. Supergirl, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Galatea yes. is done after yeah, this. Yeah, Galatea is done. Yeah, we, we do, we get a whole episode actually around um, Supergirl in the next season that's also like her, her like actual proper, proper send off. Oh, that's good. Um, 
But yeah, I have to double check this, but I'm I'm pretty sure Galatea is done at this point. Well, I mean, if Hamilton's gone, then I I would suspect Galatea is also gone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was yeah, it's her last appearance. So mm-hmm. she's out, she's gone. Uh, but I mean that that is the end of her arc, though. Like, it is that, yeah, that is wh- Supergirl's arc. Yeah, what else is there really for Galatea to do? I mean, she can try and be a hero, I guess. I don't think that's gonna happen. No, I, I think she's she's out, she's gone. You know, um, Power so- Girl only has one fate. Has only had one fate since 1984. To die? To die. Okay. Oh, that's right. You did a whole, like, Power Girl breakdown mm-hmm. that I have, of course, forgotten. That's fine. I also yeah. forgot I did yeah. that. <laughs> um, so at this point, like, it kind of wraps up a lot of the conflict between Cadmus and the League because Waller calls it all off and the League is able to defeat the army of Ultimen. So then it cuts over to Lex and we see that his ultimate plan has been to transfer his consciousness into a new version of Amazo that he's built himself this one having a a lex face a sharp jawline a very very sharp jawline um the one flaw of amazo right <laughs> but you know i i do love it because he he's there he's basically gonna do this batman confronts him and gets thrown out a window and we think he's gonna fall to his death but then a hand reaches out and grabs him and then it cuts back up to the um Lex's lab and Waller's there with like a I think it was like a, what a matter disruptor cannon. Yeah, it was the one they were going to use against Amazo when he right. was coming to kill. Lex. Yes, exactly. So she has a handheld version of it and she just melts the new Amazo body in, in, a, in a totally amazing badass moment of her just standing there with like a massive fucking gun, being like "Don't fuck with me, Lex." Yeah, and it's you know the the end of this episode and the start of next episode. It's two players we haven't seen engage in combat at all all season. Yeah, we have her here, and then Manhunter finally gets to step up in the next episode. Oh yeah, in a really great way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was cool to see her get a moment to shine and be like a little bit of a hero. Which it makes sense they kind of had to like pivot her towards being a bit of a hero given her character arc in Epilogue, which of course we'll be getting to shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is when we realized, like, Lex's real plan all along was to ruin Superman and give himself superpowers. So, um, and then right when they think they finally defeated Lex, uh, big twist, Brainiac, like, emerges out of his body, and we discover it was Brainiac all along. Yes. It was Brainiac all along. Good. Great theme song. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I had a problem. You did. I Interesting. Did. Okay. I, I understood Lex wanting to ruin Superman's reputation. That yes. that was a through line through this whole series. We could visibly see that through line happening. Yeah, the whole universe. Yes. Yeah, yeah that, that's always been his character motivation. Uh, the, the motivation of him wanting superpowers has kind of come and gone. We didn't really see that at all this season. That was yeah. never a in the forefront. I would have liked one bit of that somewhere. I think... <sighs> I, I attribute him wanting superpowers to being influence from Brainiac on him. Okay. That's that's the last point I want to get to. Okay. I like a mystery where I can take breadcrumbs and I can follow breadcrumbs oh, even if okay. I don't even if I don't see the big picture until the end. Yeah. I want to be able to rewatch it and be like, oh, they set that up for that reason. They set that up for that reason. And the episode they call back to when Brainiac kidnaps Lex. Mm-hmm was fucking 102 episodes ago for us. Uh, <laughs> yes, like that. so it was from the episode Ghost in the Machine, which was episode 14 of season two of Superman the Animated Series from September 29th, 1997. So that was... It's about seven years. That's seven years ago. Yeah, maybe maybe even eight, in fact. Um, yeah, because this was 2005. This is 2005, yeah. So it, it's, been, it's been seven and a half years, basically, mm-hmm. since that episode. 
almost yeah. eight years. And that's a long time. And I don't need heavy handed hints. Yeah. I don't know how you could make it uh, like subtle. Yeah. I think that's it. It does kind of come out of nowhere. It's a, it's kind of a weird retcon because it basically just says that for almost the entirety of the DCAU, Brainiac has been inside of Lex and subtly manipulating him. Um, also, somehow he was not picked up in the uh, physical that Hamilton gave Lex when he realized that the cancer was gone. Somehow Brainiac like hid within that. Um, it's a little unclear like where all of like his like biomechanical tentacles and legs came from, considering that he didn't actually possess matter manipulation until after he connects with the dark heart in our next episode, mm -hmm. it, it does feel like it was thrown in there as a, a shock twist and to raise the stakes. I think it's mostly effective, but I do agree with you that it doesn't feel like it was maybe planned out from the beginning. It, it kind of feels like it was thrown in at the end there. Even if it was, even if they just had it for the last like six episodes or so have small things, we get the moments where like Lex now has super strength. And yeah. Like, where did that come from? I think if they would have done something with like, well i think the other problem is like lex is already a super genius so you can't like make him smarter now that brainiac right. inside of him yeah that would be my first guess it's like now he just knows things he shouldn't know right but that's already lex luther yeah but he's already one of the smartest people on the entire planet to begin with yeah so if there was something because like i i don't want it to be my my other thought keeps going back to like fantastic four and the first one where they have dr doom and like anytime he walks by a computer like fizzes a little bit oh, okay. when he's like first understanding his power i don't i don't want that yeah. that feels too heavy-handed mm -hmm. but i don't know what else to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think maybe this might be the one the one writing weakness of this episode is i don't i, I would be very curious to know maybe it's out there somewhere how far into the planning they come up with this idea of having it ultimately boil down to a lex brainiac hybrid mm-hmm um, I mean, it's it's cool. It it's is cool. super cool when they get the like combined outfit. Yeah, and it's half Brainiac, half half Lex. Yeah, it's um it's a pretty like shocking reveal mm -hmm. too. Um, and a great cliffhanger, like a great button. Yeah, which actually I just realized. Uh, one could argue that this is the only four parter in all of the DCAU in a lot of ways. When I when I looked up the Wikipedia, it's it they presented it as the Cadmus four part finale. Yeah. I mean, you must be loving this camera. Right? Oh, I'm I'm in heaven right yeah. now. <laughs> They've doubled your usual proposal of making it a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a double two-parter. It's a double double. Um yeah, I mean it it's a great button to end on where it's like, oh shit, like this is gonna be nuts now. And uh it sure is. Shall we should we move on to Divided We Fall then? Let's let's keep moving. But all right, so in Divided We Fall, uh Brainiac is revealed. <gasps> Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Having stored a copy of himself inside Lex Luthor years prior, uh, Brainiac has been... Seven and a half years prior. Seven and a half years prior. <laughs> Brainiac has been subtly manipulating him this entire time and has created a Lex-Brainiac hybrid separated from the rest of the league. The founding seven team with Amanda Waller to fight Lex slash Brainiac uh, uh, as they pursue the Dark Heart nanotech to build the ultimate tool to assimilate all knowledge on Earth and then the rest of the universe. And the only thing they can save today might be the flash <gasps> oh it's so good our boy wally oh it's so good yeah so we we've kind of gotten into like all the background on how the lex brainiac hybrid thing came about in the universe so you know it basically triggers off a big fight between him and the founding league it looks like they're going to be defeated when they're all like being assimilated 
And then as you mentioned, immediately incapacitated. It's, it happens within pretty quickly. Minutes. Within minutes, yeah. Um, and then as you mentioned, like Jean really steps up and he's like, nope. And he phases through the tentacles and just goes for the kill, basically. It almost felt like he forgot he could do it. Almost, he's, right? <laughs> he's been in the watchtower for so long now. Yeah. And we kind of see him fight a little bit in Task Force X. That's about it, though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, even then, like he's not on his game it doesn't feel like yeah and now it's like oh right i'm as strong as superman oh yeah and, <laughs> and I, I, have... I forgot i i can do that and i have more powers than superman yeah and i don't see fire anywhere around here nope and uh brainiac never had a chance to assimilate the knowledge of mars that's true so brainiac doesn't really know anything about john mm-hmm. gives him an advantage there you go yeah but it was fun to see him like jump into the fight and like really get into it. And that's when Brainiac says like, oh, I was not prepared for this battle. So then he goes back inside the Lexcor and turns like the top few floors into the, the classic Brainiac orbiting skull ship. Which so I love. Good. It's so good. I love. I think this is maybe one of the best versions of it, too. Yeah. And this is one where I'm like, who cares how it works? I just it, like it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I have no questions. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they end up being able to take out the ship pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, which we eventually realize it's intentional because all a ruse for an order of brainiac to escape but i think the coolest moment though is when superman and green lantern laser in half from both sides yeah it's like fuck that's cool it's I, really cool so i was thinking about that and we know how batman loves to steal ideas from people yeah or just steal things from people mm-hmm. in my in my head canon for batman for bruce after that he immediately went to lucius and he's like hey in case we ever need like an escape route. I need a button that turns the top of Wayne tech into a giant batarang. <laughs> giant batarang. He's like, why? He's like, just do it. Just do you don't, it. You don't need an answer. Yeah. Make it into a transformer. It's going to look cool. <laughs> then he throws money and disappears. Yes. Yeah, and I'm out. He just, he, he throws money. Like it's a smoke bomb. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised. Like no one has done. I feel like that's a teen Titans go like teen Titans go joke. Yeah, it like, needs to be done. Throw a bomb and it just, deploys a bunch of cash <laughs> yeah you can escape but yeah so lex and brainiac escape and and brainiac's basically said like oh yeah i'm gonna do to you what i do with everything else i'm gonna assimilate your knowledge and destroy your body um and then you know lex basically says well then what are you gonna do he's like well i'm gonna assimilate all the knowledge on earth and then destroy it and then move on and do that for the rest of the galaxy and then my program will be complete and lex is like well maybe you can be more than that you don't have imagination, and I do. So let's see if we can partner up together. Come with me, <laughs> and you'll be. I mean, there are a lot of comparisons, aren't there, between Lex Luthor and Willy Wonka? I mean, especially the live-action ones. Especially the live-action ones. Uh, a, a little tangent here. I don't know if you saw the um, the the first look that came out from the, the Wonka prequel. Oh, I did. With Timothy Chalamet. I like it. Did you see the comparisons to uh, Gonzo in The Muppet Christmas Carol and how they're wearing almost the exact same outfit? I didn't, but I love that. <laughs> it is spot on, like almost the exact same. I'm not surprised. That's that's so good. <laughs> have you watched Muppet uh, uh, Haunted Mansion yet? I haven't. I haven't Neither had a chance. Have I. I, watch I feel that. really bad not seeing it yet. I know. I guess I didn't watch it. I've heard it's cute. Because you're, you're a Muppets person. I do. I really like the Muppets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I it, it completely passed me as I, when I was a kid. I, I mostly love them because of A Muppet Christmas Carol, which I watch every year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sometimes more than once. And then just little snippets I'd seen of the original Muppets show, but then also the nineties reboot Muppets tonight, which is like the version I grew up on. I really like. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm one of those rare people that actually doesn't really like the Muppets movie with Jason Siegel. Okay. I think it's I feel l- like you're not alone in that. I feel like I hear a few people have that take. I feel like, I feel like it's a little bit underwhelming. It, it, like they're not funny. Got it. In it, that movie I haven't watched all. any of the new ones. Yeah, um, like, and that's the whole thing with the Muppets. It's like they're supposed to be funny, and it's a lot of like bits and gags and stuff in that movie. It, it's got a lot of heart, but it doesn't really have a lot of humor. But have you? Did I pitch Puppet Up to you? What? It was uh, for anyone that's coming to LA anytime soon. It's an improv show that happens at the Henson Theater. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Yes. Puppet yes. Up is, a, name, is an yes. improvised puppet show. Which is, it's a very cool concept on its own because it's just an improvised puppet show. Yeah. But it's, they have two screens on the stage and one is what the camera sees. So kind of like how you would watch Muppets or Sesame Street, you yeah. see the the puppets. Mm-hmm. But then the other camera is the below the stage. And so you see the puppeteers oh, like actually cool. working the, the mechanics. Yeah. And that's, it's so cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I do love puppets. When it comes back, when it comes, they do like, you know, one show every month or every other month. Okay. So when it comes back around, we'll, we'll we, see if we can get tickets. Yeah, we got to go. That sounds really fun. Um, hey, but you know what? I mean, it's, <laughs> I would say with this random tangent, but it's a little apropos because Brainiac is basically walking around in a Lex puppet. Mm-hmm. Tied it in. There you go. Found it. 199 episodes of Segways. <laughs> Still forcing them wherever <laughs> I possibly can. Um, but, uh, at this point they're trying to figure out where Lex went and they're trying to get in touch with the rest of the league and it's basically not going to happen. No one can get off the watchtower at this point because the teleporters are down. All the javelins have been destroyed in the fight. And then even then the rest of the league that came down onto, uh, earth to help with the evacuation is they put it like they're well over an hour and away. So it's just going to be the original seven again. And, you know, like I mentioned when we were discussing, uh, panic in the sky, a, a pretty, I mean, it's it's a little bit forced, but for the most part, it's a pretty natural way of being like, okay, we've done the big league here. Now we're just down to the core seven again. It's just back to like those those original seven. Well, Manhunter even or Jean even gets a small joke in there, which I think is great because he needed to be the one that says this. Yeah. Um, where he's like, can't we just use the uh, the teleporting pads? And he's yeah. like, no, they're down again. He's like, are they ever working? <laughs> <laughs> they're more trouble than they're worth, honestly. <laughs> yeah. These fucking teleporters. Um, but yeah, so it's just the seven and they go off to Cadmus headquarters, um, which I guess is in DC. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's them going up against, you know, uh, now like this, this perfectly combined Lex Brainiac hybrid. Purple no- and gold. Yes. Yeah, so sleek. Yeah. It's no longer this weird, like grotesque, like, like abomination in the middle of his abdomen with these weird tentacles and stuff. Like it's very sleek gold suit and Lex has kind of the blue classic Brainiac looking face with the little triangle thing up on the top. And who's the, um, there's Modoc, but who's the, the TMNT villain with the face in his stomach? Kang. Thank you. Wow. Is that TMNT? Yeah, that's TMNT. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's got like, he's an alien inside like a robot body that doesn't have a head and just down the torso for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I'm pretty sure that's Kang. I, that sounds right. Kang or maybe Krang, because Kang is Kang the Conqueror. That's right. Yeah, okay, that's Krang. why it didn't sound right. It is Krang, yes. Krang with an R in yes. there. Because okay. uh, Billy and Mandy parodies that with oh, really? Evil Concarne. Oh, and it's, it's okay. The, the, uh, the brain of a genius is is attached to a bear, because it's the <laughs> only thing that he could find to like sync with his brain. You know, I never watched that show, but I remember that character. Evil Concarne. Evil Concarne. <laughs> I gotta look this up. Oh, okay, yeah, like this doopy, this is like kind of derpy looking bear. 
mm-hmm. with a brain in his head and in his yeah and i believe the brain stomach. even has the like dr no scar is it dr no no who has the the like blofeld, scar there? blofeld has the scar yeah i'm trying I'm really trying for you. you. Are, you're trying. I, pre- I appreciate you trying. I mean, you only just saw Blofeld in the most recent Bond film. But yes, I will give you credit for that. Yeah, I'm, you know, just trying to be a friend over trying, here. Trying. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's just them going up against the uh, the Justice League. And again, like Brainiac initially. So they've they've now bonded with the Dark Heart as well, which as we saw was like the the matter reprocessing nanotechnology from earlier on this season. Um, and... It, you kind of feel like with that technology, they could literally just assimilate the entire planet in an instant. And it, it feels a little bit contrived. They have to like build some sort of big contraption to make it work. But mm-hmm. whatever. It's a way to like delay things. But to slow things down, Brainiac creates a bunch of his like Brainiac robot clones to fight uh, the League. And then Lex is like, ah, we can do better. And so then he turns all of them into their Justice Lords counterparts, which is a a great way to like thematically bring this all together again, because now all the justice Lord Android copies are not only fighting their doppelgangers, but just like shouting at them, their worst fears, like super, like Android Superman telling Superman, like you are too dangerous. You're the problem. The Android green lantern talking about Shaira, the Android Shaira talking about how she betrays everyone all the time. Like, it really works there. That, that nice little thematic bridge to the yeah. season. Bustle's designs are so good. They are. I'm glad they came back. Yeah, I'm glad they came back. I'm glad they just make Flash the reverse Flash. Yeah, make it easy. Basically, in that moment. And they, they do get, like, dispatched relatively quickly. But there's a, there's a, a few nice little moments in there. Um, like, there's a moment where Superman and Wonder Woman basically just, like, trade opponents so they're not having to face their themselves. And then, yeah, Green Lantern and Shira are basically fighting their own doppelgangers. And Green Lantern has a moment where he's just, like, constantly hitting <laughs> the Shire android with a hammer. He's got to let off some steam. He's just letting off some steam. And then Shire retaliates by knocking the head off of the the John android. The, uh, the Superman Wonder Woman one, if we're going to callbacks... It's a, it's a little bit of a looser callback, but I feel like that was a throwback to when they were fighting each other in an early JL episode. Oh, and they got brainwashed mm-hmm. and thinking they were each uh, a monster? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, we know they can go toe-to-toe. Oh, yeah, they can. And so, yeah, having them take out each other's clones pretty easily was a nice little touch to that. It was. It's a good fight. Mm-hmm. And and this is also the start of the Flash kind of coming into his power. Right, yeah. Which, which just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it things, like, really kind of escalate from here because everyone's, like, kind of briefly incapacitated, and the the Flash has basically, like, kind of burned himself out defeating his, his android counterpart, and he's briefly weak for a moment, so then Lex basically has other androids, like, pick him up, and we get that recreation of that shot from Question Authority, when Question is being terrorized, or uh, tortured, excuse me. And he sees that kind of odd sequence of like the shotgun. Two, yeah, the two shol- the two soldiers holding the flash between them with Lex holding a shotgun. And Lex is basically about ready to kill Flash. Um, and then Flash basically moves so fast he like vibrates through the two androids and then hits Luther. And he realizes the only thing that he can do to defeat him is to basically just run around the planet and move so fast that he just hits Lex with so much kinetic energy as to destroy the Brainiac suit around him. Yeah, the million mile an hour punch. Yeah, and he just keeps going and going and going. 
um, and just keeps getting faster and faster and faster. And eventually he does it. He literally destroys Braniac off of Lex, who's just like lying and like crumpled on the floor naked. Um, but then he disappears into the Speed Force. It's so good. It With is. That moment where he's just standing there over Lex's body and just like he vibrating. Won. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He can't stop, but like. You see his power. Oh, yeah. And the way they shot it is like with the low angle. So he just looks like a titan. Mm-hmm. And you finally see like he is on their level. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting, too, that he he's vibrating like that. It's almost like he's shaking. And obviously that's because he was moving so fast. But I think there's an emotional component there, too. Of like this is the most overt display of power he's ever shown. Mm-hmm. And for a guy who tends to be a little more on the lighthearted side you can kind of see him like emotionally almost being shaking too. Just like this uh, trying to like regain control of himself. Yeah. I would hate that from having gone so far. Yeah. And then he just disappears and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, it happened. Like Lex says, I, I killed him. It happened. And then he's like, Oh no, I think this is the part where you kill me. Superman. And Superman does pick him up, hold them in his, like hold him up aloft and his eyes glow red. And like, he's at that moment, like, is he going to do it? Is he going to lobotomize him? But I think it's very interesting that moment is Wonder Woman goes to stop him and Batman intercedes. Which I think is really interesting. It's it had to be Batman. I mean, it always has to be Batman. It always has to be Batman, but it's it's so interesting that he would try he decides that no one's gonna try and stop Superman from doing what he has to do. Like, I guess you could say that that's a moment where he has faith in Clark that Clark's gonna do the right thing. But it's also a moment that if he's wrong, is gonna lead to the destruction of everything. And it, it, it almost feels like a little bit out of character to me for him to do that in that moment. I don't know how you felt about it. So we pitched this idea a few episodes ago about Justice League War, Doom, Justice League Doom, mm-hmm. being what should have been the season three. Yeah. And I think in that moment, it would be uncharacteristic of Bruce, but at the same time, I could see him like, while he has one hand holding Wonder Woman back, the other hand is in his back pocket holding the kryptonite. Maybe. Like, if if it didn't work, he was already ready to incapacitate Clark. He had a backup plan in place. Yeah. And I guess I guess you could say, too, that that had to be thematic closure to Batman's arc over this season of he doesn't trust them. Like, the last time he really spoke with Clark was in the recovery room after Clark beat up Captain Marvel. And he's like, you don't get to joke about this. Like, you are lording yourself over everyone like a god. And I guess that moment, he does, in fact, trust him. So I suppose there had to be that, that, that brief moment of thematic closure. That's probably why that's there. Yes, I like that better. Yeah, yeah I think that makes more sense. That that's why, it, why it's there. Um, but, you know, Clark being Clark, it's like, I'm not the guy that killed President Luther. I'm not going to kill you now. Mm-hmm. I can take a kneecap, though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Just a little, yeah. <laughs> Just a quick, quick little zap little to the, flick. Yeah, zap <laughs> to the knee. Um, but that's when John realizes the Flash is still there. He's, like, connected with him psychically. And they're able, they kind of, like, walk around until they're able to, like, grab him and, like, hold him while he's in the Speed Force. Um, and it's Shaira that finds him. And then, you know, John grabs her arm. And then they all kind of, like, grab each other. And they, they pull him out of the Speed Force. And it's a really, really touching moment. Yeah, I got chills. I, I, I will be perfectly honest. I cheered up a little bit. Yeah, me too. It, it was really emotionally affecting because, you know, they're all calling him Wally. And if there's one league member that has been in some ways kind of an outsider, it is kind of Wally. I mean, it, you know, Batman's the part-timer who, who's kind of always doing his own thing, but that's of his own choice. But Wally kind of feels like the guy who just somehow happened to be in the room. Mm-hmm. 
And especially these past two seasons, like we yeah. barely saw him at all. Yeah, I mean, he he never has a speaking line in season one. Yeah, of Justice League Unlimited, and this season I think makes amends for that by putting him kind of front and center. But you know, it there's always been that kind of question of how much does the league trust him? Like we're always joking that he doesn't even get like you know access control to the the watchtower, right? Like he's the one that can't be trusted. He gets a visitor's pass every time. Yeah, he comes. Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, it, it just goes to show that he is the heart of those original seven, and they all do genuinely really care about him. And need him. And need him, yeah. And it's it's probably, for me, one of the most touching moments in the entire DCAU when they rescue him from the Speed Force there. Yeah, and I watching that moment when he, when he vanishes, all I could think about was season two of, of Young Justice. Oh, yeah. And... I'm I'm glad we have both sides where one does vanish for good question mark yeah. and one does come back come back yeah where's because like they're both so oh, fuck you where's Wally oh, fuck you they're both so impactful they really are oh, man, yeah where's Wally and, I mean in that series too he he's kind of the heart at mm-hmm. the end of the day and it it just goes to show like what a great character he is and I think Wally tends to get oftentimes a little bit overlooked in favor of of Barry who now has come like back into the forefront of being the Flash. Um, but he is a great character in his own right. And those two series like really do a good job highlighting that. But here, especially, I mean, it's, it's probably the, maybe the flash's best moment or one of his best moments, the entire thing. It's this. And then when he's talking with the, um, the jester. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. That'll be, um, next season. You get that moment. But yeah, it's, 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 it's really, really touching. I mean, yeah, I, I, I very, very emotionally affected by that moment. It's really sweet. Um, and then it's, you know, kind of like what happens now. And so Superman holds this like massive outdoor press conference with like the entire league there, a bunch of reporters. We see some little nods. It's fun. We see Summer Gleason. We see Snapper Carr. Snapper Carr. You know, Lois is there with Jimmy. Um, and, you know, Superman basically says like, we have to disband the league. No one should be this powerful and it's irresponsible for us. Yeah. We don't want to be an army. Yeah. Um, so we have to disband and it's Green Arrow that calls mountains like no you're wrong like the world does need you and you know he basically says like if you're like the, the world owes you a huge gratitude for everything you've done and if you've decided like this is the end of your journey and that's fine you can walk away but if you're choosing to walk away because it's easier than staying and continuing the fight then you're wrong and I, again i think it's really really poignant that it's green arrow who ultimately brings them all back together. The guy who didn't want to be a part of it in the first place and didn't think that he belonged. Yeah. It's, it's the bookend. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Beautiful mirroring. Yeah. And again, he was the other substantial voice in this season saying like, you guys are too powerful. This is wrong. And he's the one who realizes like, actually this, the league does need to be here. Mm-hmm. It has value. It's worth it. Um, you know, and there's that final little moment where, Bruce says, the, I think the two rich boys being rich boys talking just, that rich boy language. Just, yeah. Rich boys talking <laughs> in Latin there, but you know, it, it basically translates to, you know, who guards the guardians, you know, another version of who watches the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's Batman acknowledging that at the end of the day, like the reason the league will never get out of hand is because it has grounded people like arrow there. And it's interesting that he acknowledges that it's arrow that does it because in a lot of ways, Batman was kind of supposed to be that person for a long time, but he's so separated from it all now. Yeah, and we even had that exact conversation in Initiation. Yeah. Where, like, Batman is the one that, that convinces Ollie to stay. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be here because I can't be that role anymore. I've yeah. seen too much shit. He's no longer objective. Yeah. And he needs someone else to step into that spot. And, you know, again, this it's these little moments that just 
close out all these different threads. I mean, you know, it's this was intended to be the series finale. I and I can see that they yeah. wrap up everything. They do kind of wrap it up perfectly, and there's still a handful of really great episodes next season, which is really fantastic. But there is something to be said about this might have been the superior finale to the whole thing, just because all these threads are so neatly tied up. I mean, going, I mean, going all the way back to Superman. I mean, th- like this episode basically like wraps up all like anything major that has been set up, starting with Superman up through now, mm-hmm. like including stuff in this season, including stuff in previous seasons. You know, even the the that moment with John and Shaira when they're fighting their doppelgangers is a resolution of sorts to their journey together that they kind of acknowledge that they're okay. Yeah. They can be playful again. Exactly. That So it, it really does kind of wrap things up. And, and even when they're having that press conference, Batman, he's like, you guys got this. You don't need me. You have my number. And Wonder Woman says, Oh, I, I think I have your number. And again, like that could even be considered like a final little beat for their relationship too, in some ways. So, I mean, I, I guess we can have this conversation when we get the actual proper finale of which one would be the better choice, but it, this works really... I, yeah, you get that moment of Ollie and uh, Black Canary riding off together, yeah. which is, like, a nice end for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have anything with, like, Supergirl or Steel, but I think if, like, they had a quick shot, that would have been nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's great, and it's literally everyone is there. Yeah. Except Static. I think Static should have been there. Yeah, I... There's probably something out there that explains why Static just kind of isn't brought back around again. I mean, obviously he was there for the um, Justice League. No, oh, no, it was Unlimited Season One. That's right, the, yeah. the the Once and Future thing. So it's interesting that yeah, they didn't bring him around in any sort of meaningful way here, which would have been nice to see, especially because he has a tie to Brainiac. That's true, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the first time I think in the DCAU we see the Brainiac ship. Uh, yes. I don't think we ever saw the Brainiac ship. I don't think we ever saw that version of the ship in Superman the Animated Series. He had, like, his spaceship, which had a very different look to it. That could have been a unique tie-in to hint at what was coming. Because we see Richie is taken over by Brainiac. Yeah. So he has the capacity to take over humans. Yeah. And if, if there was even just, like, once Brainiac is out of Richie's body, just cut to Lex in, like, a prison cell. I so you're, you're but like oh I guess these would have been fairly close together I gotta look up and see now when that episode of Static Shock aired I think that would have been it would have been shorter than seven and a half years it would have been much shorter than seven and a <laughs> half years yeah it would have been closer to maybe like one or two maybe two at this point um maybe two or three but yeah I don't think they had it planned that far ahead I'm gonna be perfectly honest I think they probably had to go back and find a, sh- a spot where like the two of them interact like oh there when Brainiac blasts Lex and he doesn't die. Let's just say that was him transferring a little nano part of him into Lex's body. Uh, March 2003. So it have been two years earlier. Okay, yeah. So it would have been sooner, but not quite there. Yeah. Still, Dwayne McDuffie wrote it. Still, yeah. Oh, God, Dwayne McDuffie. So good. So, so good. But yeah, this this is, I think, one of my favorite episodes in the entire DCAU. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah, it's... It just hits on so many levels on the, in terms of the action, the characters, the heartfelt moments. It's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of, of storytelling across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we hit peak. I For me personally, for me, I think last week was peak. Okay. I think that the setup to these fina- to these final two episodes, they were so good. Both okay. episodes were, you know, 10 out of 10s. So but do we maybe say that these four episodes, 
is yes, this, this, this arc, peak? Yes, this arc is peak. Okay. All right. So, all right. Let me let me, let me throw this out there. There's a little bit of tangent here, but what a tangent? A tangent on us? this podcast? Never. But first one in 199 episodes. So, say say you treat these four episodes as like one standalone story. Mm-hmm. What's better, this or Mask of the Phantasm? See, so that's 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 a, that's a, an interesting question for me because I think that's a tougher question for you. Okay. Because you are much more connected to Phantasm than I am. Yes. I think this is better. Okay. I, I think. It, because there's so many different pieces to this and it's so complex and there's so much involved and I think this is a more in some ways maybe more sophisticated storytelling mm-hmm. I think what what holds it back though is in fact it's complicated like it it is predicated on you knowing a lot of stuff building was... up to this whereas Phantasm is its own unique standalone story um, and I still maintain the best Batman movie ever made so yes come, yeah and come fight me nerds I fucking will. I got my gloves right now. Piece of shit. <laughs> Other nerds than Cameron who 100% would beat the shit out of me. So, um, No, th- that is a good point. And, and you know, but that's the difference is this is a series and that is a movie. Yeah. Well, and but also like you didn't watch Phantasm as a kid, right? I didn't. And th- that's why I think that's Did, a harder question for you. Didn't you watch it the first time when we covered it on the show? The first time I watched it was when we saw it at. Um, oh, the new Bev. Yeah, New Beverly, yeah. Yeah, Tarantino's Theater. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was great. We're so L.A. We're so L.A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate us. Um, okay, that was the first time you had seen it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the big difference. It's like That that was really formative for me as a kid. Yeah, I, and I didn't tell you until we did it on the podcast. So that was the first time I saw it. That's that's right. Yeah, that's right. You, 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 you held back. Mm-hmm. You lied to me. I didn't lie. I just withheld the truth. Yeah. <laughs> a lie of omission. <laughs> Um, yeah, I won't think, hold up in court. <laughs> won't hold up in court. But uh, actually, I mean, I, I think there it is kind of like comparing apples to oranges to use a cliche. But like, I would be kind of curious to hear other people's thoughts on that too. What What do you think is better, um, this four part Cadmus finale or Mask of the Phantasm? But, I I would even go as far as which Cadmus arc is better, this Cadmus or Young Justice Cadmus arc. Oh yeah, I mean, Young Justice Cadmus arc has more. I would say mm-hmm. more to it. Um, you know, but I mean, well, they, they have two seasons to go over and, yeah. and this one just has one, just has one. But I mean, th- that is kind of the way all this works though, right? It's like everything kind of lives in the shadow of its predecessor. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that it's, it's, there are, they are lesser or derivative in any sort of way. I mean, I, I've said this repeatedly, but I was a big holdout on young justice for a long time. Cause like, how could it possibly be near as good as this? And then when I finally watched, I'm like, Oh, it actually is. Cause they basically just took like the really sophisticated, you know, arc, season arc storytelling of this and just made it a whole show out of it mm-hmm. it's really great so. yeah it was so good it got canceled <laughs> it got so good it got canceled like all great things mm-hmm. but it came back again it did yes get it i gotta sit down and watch the the first two episodes of phantoms yeah i saw i watched the the trailer for it shit trailer not yeah pretty pretty bad trailer awful awful trailer which is really upsetting yeah and you kind of feel like they would have tried harder on that it's just weird like voiceover the whole thing. yeah it felt like a game show like i was ready for like a twist that this was all in someone's head. Yeah. It was almost like a, I mean, this is not what it was, but to me, it kind of sounded like a, like an old, you know, news serial, like, Oh, I know the justice league. It's going up against the villains. What will happen to them all? Yeah. Tune in it, next week. I think it, it would have been cool if they, if they set it up like that and then it like pulled out to be like mad mod or 
control freak. You're just, just trying to find a way to squeeze anything Teen Titans in <laughs> oh, anywhere are you those possibly Titans characters? can. Yeah. What are they? What? I never would have known. We should probably watch the whole series just to like figure out how good they are. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, but uh, any other thoughts on on this year on our, the end of our Cadmus arc? I, I, I I'm speechless. Truly, yeah. I, I have right. nothing else. Yeah, I mean, what what else is there to say about it? Just it's uh, it's excellent. So I'm glad we've made it this far. I know I am too. 199 episodes. We had to, doubts to to make it to the end to the peak. Yeah, we had doubts. We had some long gaps. I never thought we'd do it. We had some mental breakdowns on both parties yes. <laughs> a couple times. Luckily at different times. Yeah. Oh, thank God there were always different times. Yes. It'd been tragic if they were. If we'd synced up our mental incapacities. <laughs> I'm truly fucked. Uh, but should we move on from here to some bat plugs? Let's do some plugs. Okay. The plug. Yes. Well, I mean, I have another one. Okay. So we're, we have a, we have a shared plug, which is, as we promised last week, we're going to get into uh, No Time to Die. I think we'll go probably full spoilers in that, too. So I'll, okay. I'll make a note in the show notes. But uh, before that, I have had a chance to see Dune. You have <gasps> not had a chance yet, unfortunately. I have not. Um, correct. <laughs> but it is quite good. Good. Yes. I, I definitely think it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing in a theater, more so than HBO Max. It looks Oh, I forgot it's, it's still day and day for, for HBO. Yes, it is. It looks fucking gorgeous, as you'd expect from Villeneuve. It's, for those of you who are familiar with the, uh, the Villeneuve oeuvre. Oeuvre? Oeuvre. The Villeneuve oeuvre. The Villeneuve-ra? The Villeneuve-ra. It's very Villeneuve. So, you know, you think about, especially his sci-fi stuff. So you think about Arrival. You think about Blade Runner 2049. It, oh, Arrival's so good. It's very much in that sort of wheelhouse in terms of, like, it's it's long. It's a little bit slow. It's very deliberate and, like, meticulous in its plotting, which means it's a little bit slow at times. But it looks gorgeous. It's got a, a unique but really great score from Hans Zimmer in there. Uh, obviously, great performances, as you'd expect, from from that cast. Mm-hmm. Um the the one the one thing I'm telling people before they go in is keep in mind that this is approximately half Dune, half of Dune the book. It's a part one. It is part one, and it's interesting oh. because and I'm not I do not consider this a spoiler because it's literally the title card. But the title card says Dune Part One, which is very interesting because I don't recall anywhere else in any of the marketing or description of the movie it ever being referenced as a part one. It, it certainly has not. I, yes. Yeah. I've definitely never seen anything about that. So well, I'm just cautioning people, keep that in mind when you get to the end of the movie, which I won't say how it ends, but when you get to the end, remember, this is not the full story. I, I was, I'm still going to go see it. I want to support yeah. this movie. I want to support sci-fi. Yeah. I, and I think, but that really frustrates me. Yeah. It, and I think this is going to have to do well for us to see a second part. And I really hope we do end up getting the other half of it. Cause I would really love to see the rest of it. Yeah. Um, Cause this isn't something that can go to streaming. Like this no. needs money behind it. No, it, it, and it does. And the, and the thing is, like I said, it's on the screen. Okay. Like, uh, especially like when things really start to pick up, like it, it's just, it's all on there. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the spectacle on it is mind boggling and it's in its scale and in its beauty. So I, I, I highly recommend it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I definitely recommend people go see it, especially if you're you know, a nerdy sci-fi person, which if you're listening to us, you, you probably aren't. Yeah. Uh, so I, we, we can keep this tangent short or not, yeah. however you feel. Um, I was having this conversation with my coworkers the other day because mm-hmm. he was talking about he has an 11-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old daughter. Okay. And they have a hard time just watching movies in general because they're so used to short, short That's fair, content. yeah. 
and on the flip side of that, we've had the conversation with Zack Snyder about how moving movies to a streaming service breaks the mold of requiring kind of the hour and a half to three hour setup. Yeah. Would this be a movie that could exist in kind of a four, four and a half hour format? Would you, would you still gone to see it if it was four and a half hours? Um, no, <laughs> I mean, just cause I don't want to see a four and a half hour film. I mean, look, I, and we're going to get to it. No time to die. I love mm-hmm. it's two hours and 43 minutes. And, and I stayed awake for most of it. You stayed awake for most of it. You missed, pretty good. You missed the best part. <laughs> I did. Um, but you know, even then, like there are times when I feel the runtime and I will admit there are times when I felt the runtime of Dune, you know, one could make the argument. This may have been better served as a game of Thrones style mm-hmm. miniseries, which has been done before on, on the sci-fi channel. I've never seen all of that adaptation. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I think the problem is you do that. You don't have the talent behind it, but I, I feel like that's, that window is, or that, that gap is getting smaller and smaller. It, it is getting small. every week with streaming. It is, it is. But I, I generally, I like you, you make this a mini series. You don't get Villeneuve. You don't get to Timothy Chalamet. Like you might be able to get Oscar Isaac just because I think he's a little more open to doing, well, he's doing Moon Knight. Yeah. He's a little more open to doing this kind of like experimental stuff. But I mean, you do not get the cast you get here. You do not get the director you get here. You don't get the money frankly and like there are times when this is proper movie spectacle and i would hate to see that disappear because it had to be brought down and the thing is like tv budgets are you can do a lot more of them now than you used to be able to but at the end of the day it's not gonna be close mm-hmm. i mean i'm gonna go see it no matter yeah. what yeah and i guess that's also like my pitch here is like i i really hope people do go see it i'm just giving them the caveat of like go see it but be prepared to feel like a little bit maybe confused by the ending Got it. I mean, so. everything around Dune, I've always kind of come in with like, I'm going to be confused no matter what. Yeah. And look, and look, I'm reading the book right now. Um, I'm not super far in. I'm maybe like a fifth of the way in. And it's, it's picking up now, and I'm starting to really quite enjoy it. But I mean, it's 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 a little bit slow, and I think the movie can be that way at times as well. Mm-hmm. But um, still worth a watch, certainly. So, but yeah, that was the, the one plug. The big plug we had this week is, of course, <laughs> No Time to Die, since now both of us have seen it. Yes. Um, Most so, of it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Like so, 96%. Yeah. So full full disclosure, we are going to get into spoilers here. I'm saying it here now. I'll also put it down in the show notes, and I'll, I'll do my best to try and timestamp it. But just assume that anything we talk about with No Time to Die is going to include spoilers for that film. Uh, I also need to try and like not just repeat myself on all the other places I've been talking about James Bond recently. So let's start off with, I want to get your perspective on this. What did okay. you think of the movie as a non-Bond person? I have seen, this is the third bond movie i have seen well that's even up in question because you 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 seem to have seen most of skyfall and thought it was spectre i only saw like the first 20 minutes of it you've seen like half okay you've seen like that's not too bad you've probably seen like two-thirds of skyfall now oh wow based on what you described you have seen (laughs) two-thirds of that movie okay i've seen a a a small collective of bond which, to be fair, I think most people on the planet have seen at least a little bit of Bond. Yes. So. Love Casino Royale. Yeah. Uh, I only saw Spectre because I had just become friends with you and Shane. And again, we did not see it together. We did not. Yeah. But we were in improv together at that time. Yes. Um, and I really enjoyed this one. Okay. I, I came in with fairly low expectations. I'll out her 
immediately. Uh, the the day before going to see the movie, I got a call from my mom saying that she hated it. Mm-hmm. And that put me in a mindset of like, oh, cool. I'm going to have like a nice two hour and 43 minute nap. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought mm-hmm. the, the characters were great. I thought the ending, it hurt me. It, it's, you know, going full spoilers. It's the first movie. It's the first movie with the sad ending that I've seen in well over two years. Yeah. You know, since the pandemic hit, I've actively been seeking out just only happy things. <laughs> I mean, I think we, we've all been really enjoying our Ted Lasso, haven't we? But even Ted Lasso is getting dark right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, still, like, we, yeah, I think all of us have been kind of gravitating towards happier fare. Yes. Even as someone who didn't fully remember any through lines from Spectre into this, I remember Blofeld. Yeah. Uh, and I forgot that it was Christoph Waltz yes. playing him. Yes. Uh, completely forgot the girl yeah uh that's fine yeah you know it, it still works for me mm-hmm. it's a movie you you don't need to see the previous ones to kind of understand what's going on i'm glad th- i'm glad to hear you say that yeah yeah because like, listening to you and shane talk about it in the car afterwards there's obviously so much that like you enjoyed more because you you knew the background information yeah uh but e- even without that like i still really enjoyed the movie i'm really happy to hear that yeah because like it's I, I it's impossible for me to be objective on this. Right. Um, and I, I, I look at it through a very specific lens of like knowing this world in and out, like every every little reference they put in there, like, oh, I know what that is referencing. You know, it's like when when Bond pushes a car over to kill a villain, I'm like, oh, that's a reference to Fury Eyes Only. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, and the, the villain, the, the B villain, because like obviously Rumi Malik is fine. Yeah, he's he's one of the weaker parts of the whole thing, I would say. It's it's definitely not flawless. Yes. Yeah, it, it's not Casino Royale. No. Um, but what's his fate? The other guy. Billy Magnuson? Billy Magnuson. He's so fun to hate. Yeah, he's great. And he's so good at playing just... He knows just how to twist the knife just so perfectly and so precisely. Yeah. Just to be like, fuck you. <laughs> Every chance he does something. It's like, fuck you, man. And he's so good at it. He's great. I, I love him. He's great in this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I love this movie. I loved it even more second time around. Yes. Um, again, I think knowing what to expect. Um, uh, I I think it has a handful of just unbelievable set pieces. The 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 cold open features a, a you know the the car chase where Bond is trying to escape from the the Spectre agents in the db5 i think it's the best use of the db5 across the entire franchise that's the car for people who were confused yes, the, like the, me the, the, without the context clues. yes the 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 <laughs> silver birch 1964 aston martin db5 thank you um it like it's fucking brilliant i mean when like the gatling guns come on and he like triggers the smoke screen and he's like doing donuts and revving the engine and just laying fire down on all these guys and the bond music kicks in i'm just like oh yes this is what I love in life. I think that's a great set piece. Unfortunately, you slept through pretty much all of it. But the, the <laughs> no, whole, I saw that one. The next one's the, the, one the whole Cuba through. set piece that yeah. you slept through. Unfortunately, is maybe the best part of the whole movie. The the whole Cuba <laughs> set piece is amazing. And Armis, total scene stealer. I love her in this movie. She's incredible. Um, yeah, I I think most of the finale I really really enjoy. Like I'm glad they found a way to kind of bring back a villain layer and have it kind of work in context and not feel a little over the top. Um, oh, it felt over the top. What? You didn't like the villain lair? No, I did, but it it's very Chris, there's a a pool of poison. Yeah. Where just people are standing in it just stirring it, I yeah. think. Look, I again That's not over the top. I, I love it. I so here's the thing is that 
this movie does a lot of things that Spectre tried to do and failed. Like Spectre tried to bring back, you know, the, a little organization Spectre that tried to bring back like Blofeld has this like remote base in the middle of like the African desert. And it's supposed to have that sort of villain layer feel to it. And I feel like that didn't work. And here for me, it totally did. Like even down to the point where like they're actively decorating the place, like in, in typical traditional Bond villain fashion of like, I have this villainous layer, but also it's going to have like the world's finest decor over the whole thing. Yeah. Like I loved all of that sort of stuff they brought in there. It's got a great like one shot of Bond, like going up a stairwell fighting a bunch of guys. It's fan- It's fantastic. And you know, I think the, the chemistry between Jano Craig and Leia Sadu between Bond and Madeline Swan is not great. It's nowhere near what it was for, um, like with Vesper and Casino Royale mm-hmm. or even with Moneypenny and, and, and Skyfall. But I think it's better this time around than it was in Spectre. And I think their story mostly works for me. I mean, in, in the brief moment I, <clears throat> I saw of it, I loved the chemistry between Daniel Craig and Anna de Armas. Yes. And they're, and they're fun. And they have this, like this kind of like fun flirtation that doesn't really feel sexual. They're just like, Oh, you're fun. Yeah. You're fun too. Yeah. Let's just have fun together. Um, yeah. I, I, I really like, the the general arc they give Bond in this movie, I think it's Craig's best performance because I think he has the most to do. Other than that, I would have said Skyfall because I have a general theory that the third film is the best performance for all the Bond actors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they give him a proper send off. Like, you know, the the biggest spoil of them all here is that they kill Bond at the end. Mm, maybe we don't see a body. Oh, shut the fuck up! <laughs> I'm, he blows up and his little heart monitor goes offline. He is dead. You know, that also happened in the end of The Dark Knight Rises. I don't that is, I, will, I don't want to get into the asinine <laughs> ending of The Dark Knight Rises and how stupid that is. But, like, they, they properly kill him here, which I think, one, I think was a good call because they had to justify why Craig's not coming back because he's been the most popular Bond since Sean Connery, or some can maybe even argue ever. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they had to find a reason for him not to come back around again. But, I mean, it's precedent-breaking, though. They've never killed Bond before. Um, this is really kind of makes these five films a complete story in a way that's never been a big thing before. So it, it, you know, leaves them in a very interesting place going forward, you know, and it's worth noting that the very end of the credits, it does say James Bond will return, not 007. James Bond will return. Yes. Because that's a big part of this movie is there is a new 007. Yes. Because Bond has been retired for five years living in Jamaica uh, at a a fun little cameo from the GoldenEye estate, Ian Fleming's home in Jamaica, where he wrote the original novels while trying to escape his uh, pregnant fiance. That's incredible. Famous, famous, horrible person, Ian Fleming. Um, But yes, they filmed some of it out in his house in Jamaica, but he's retired. And in his absence, there is a new 007, uh, Character's name is uh, Nomi, played by Lashana Lynch, who I really like Lashana Lynch. I think she's fantastic as uh, um, um, Maria Rambo in yes. Captain Marvel. I feel like she's maybe a little underutilized here. She's primarily just there to kind of be a foil for Bond in some ways. But they, they, they do have a kind of a good dynamic. She has a great character intro. Where, she does. Where it's them going back to his estate. She takes off the wig. Yeah. And he's like, that's not the thing I was expecting you to take off. Yes. Yeah. I think she's got a good intro. I think she has some good moments throughout. I like that the two of them like partner up together at the very end. And I like that Bond doesn't argue with her. He's like, thank you for coming along with me mm-hmm. on this. And like, he, he does trust her and they work together in a kind of cool way. We don't see very often. Um, You know, it's like, oh, so maybe they'll do a spinoff or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't think that's the way they're going to go here on this. And also, I, I wouldn't expect it to. And, for me, she wasn't compelling enough to want to see a whole movie around. 
maybe maybe if it's her and Anna Darmus, maybe that could be kind of fun. But I'm, I'd more be there for Anna Darmus. And I think the problem is is exactly that is the characters around her. Just to your point before, all the characters she interacts with are too big for a TV spinoff. You, yeah. you could not get Ray Fiennes for a, a no. show. Well, and and, he, and here's the thing, too, is the, the other kind of wrench in all this is that MGM, which owns the rights to Bond, was bought by Amazon recently. And yes. that is by far MGM's biggest property. I'm sure Amazon wants to milk this thing for everything they possibly can. The mm-hmm. thing standing in the way is the actual producers on the film. So Barbara Broccoli, the daughter of... <laughs> the best name. The best name. Barbara Brox, the daughter of Albert R. Cubby Broccoli, the... Bond producer from the very beginning and then his stepson Michael G. Wilson um, Barbara and Michael are like the shepherds of the whole franchise and they have absolute creative control over the whole thing like nothing can get done without their green light which is good I, which I is, think we do need more of that yes, in Hollywood which which is good yeah so I think except with Sherlock because that that whole bullshit is is stupid oh let's let's not talk let's not <laughs> talk about Stephen Moffat and Sherlock um, but yeah, like they, I don't, you know, Barbara said like, we have no plans of doing a, a spinoff on Amazon series anytime soon, but who knows? Like, I'm sure Amazon is going to push really hard to try and do something with this. You know, I, I really like this supporting cast. I, and I'm kind of sad because I feel like the only way forward now is to do a full reboot, which means we have to say goodbye to Ray Fiennes and, um, Naomi Harris and, and Ben Wishaw, who I particularly really love. So like, is I'm he, kinda, uh, Q. Q. He's, I love him as Q. He's yeah. so fun. I know. And they, they finally just, it's a its a small little moment. They finally let us acknowledge the fact that Q is gay in this, which I really like. Because Ben Wishaw is gay in real life. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I think the only way forward is to do like a full on big reboot. Um, and I, I think that's the right way to go. And then my hope is that maybe because this, these five films have been such a drastic departure from the classic Bond formula of the, just like a, a one-off mission, that maybe they can kind of bring that back around again and it'll feel fresh once more. Um, my fear with that is that's not how Hollywood likes to think anymore. I know. And so I think even if they try and do a one-off, if it, if the first two thirds are good, the last third is going to change to be a, a, um, sequel bait. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I I think that is the direction things are going. So, I mean, look, it, it, it puts the whole franchise in a really unique position to be very open-ended what happens now. And I'm, I'm hoping that, they continue to take some risks. Like that's kind of the big things that define Craig's era is that they took risks. And I think for the most part, they paid off. Mm-hmm. Not always, but the most part. I hope they keep doing that. Me too. I, I'm I genuinely excited after watching that. And then after watching your video in the Watchtower database. Yes. This is the first time in my life where I'm like, I should probably go watch some other James Bond movies. Yeah. There's some great ones out there. Also mm-hmm. some terrible ones out there. That's the, one of the best things about it is that it runs the full gamut of quality. Great. So, uh, question for you to, yeah. to end all this off. Yeah. What is your dream? Who is your dream next bond? I, I don't have a specific actor. Um, there's a, like a handful that I, I think could be good. I mean, I, I think Henry Goldman could be interesting. I, don't, oh. I, I mean, I hate to say it. I don't know if he has the chops. He's British, right? Yeah. Okay. He's British okay. and gorgeous. Oh, um, whoa, gorgeous. Mm. Henry Golding is is the yes. man right now. I just don't know if he has the talent for it. You still haven't seen there? Snake Eyes. No. I, I I will pitch it again. I, I do think Snake Eyes is one of the best action films of this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll probably watch it at some point. Yeah. Um, but like if I don't have a specific actor in mind, I kind of like it when they go for more of an unknown person. I mean, Craig had been working, but he wasn't a big name when they brought him in and he's done amazing work. Right. So 
I my big thing is I really want the next Bond to be an actor of color, right? Because why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. You can absolutely do that now. Um, the only thing is they just have to be like, you know, they don't even have to be British at the end of the day. Like they, I don't, they shouldn't be American. Like they should be some kind of British. But fucking George Lazenby is Australian. I don't know that. Yeah. Like, can we get a Kiwi? I mean, that would be very interesting. But, you know, like, Connery was Scottish. Roger Mm. Moore is actually um, British. Uh, Timothy Dalton is Welsh. Pierce Brosnan's Irish. Oh, Daniel Craig's British. So it's like, they've kind of run the gamut there. So they don't even have to be, like, English-English, as long as they're kind of amongst the the general former British colonies. I don't know how the better way to put it. Part of the United (laughs) Kingdom. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I don't know. The The greater UK. The greater UK. I don't know the full geopolitics on that. So... Um, yeah, and my other big thing is, uh, I feel like Bond should fuck everybody, so go ahead and make him queer, make him bi, make him pan, whatever, but that just gives more room for storytelling, and that is a natural progression of that character that makes sense, um, and I feel like the only way forward with Bond is to do what they've always done, which is find a way to make it relevant now, Mm -hmm. and the way to make it relevant now is to have that character more accurately reflect what the world looks like now. Yeah, absolutely. So... You know, suck at Nazis, but I <laughs> I really want a queer person of color to play Bond. So fucking make it happen. Yeah, let's do it. You know, and I, if this is repeating a lot of the same stuff I said on X-Ray, but like, I also think the conversation about whether Bond should be a woman or not is really reductive. I think Bond is a reflection of modern masculinity. And I think you can say much more interesting things about a male character now than it would be to just swap out the gender. I think the answer to that is you put in more awesome female characters that could go toe to toe with bond. I mean, I think Anna to Armas is a great example. Like that is not a sexual relationship. They even kind of like, like tease at that idea and it gets shut down in a really fun way, but she just gets to be like a super fun character. Who's really good at her job. That has a lot of fun personality. Like you just do more of that. That's the answer to how you handle that sort of thing. But I, I, I think, you just keep having Bombay male, but have a more accurate reflect what's going on in the world. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited for what they do next. Really, really excited for it. Me too. So, mm, God. And again, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like becoming more and more rare nowadays to have things land the finales. Yeah. And I, this, this landed. Yeah. I think it really sticks the landing. Um, I don't feel like it's not flawless. There, there's definitely some little foibles I have along the way, but I, I don't wish there was a different version of this movie out there the way I do with, say, like, Rise of Skywalker or, or even Spectre. Mm-hmm. Um, or the entire DC extended yeah, universe. Every every DC e- movie. Every DC movie. Yeah, I, 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 I'm really glad that they end up making this movie. So, I mean, I, I hope that if you're listening to this, you've already seen it and don't mind everything having been talked about here. And I guess if you haven't, it's all been spoiled for you, but go see it. It's really great. It is really good. Yeah. And so. now you know to prepare yourself for a sad ending. Because I didn't. And I <laughs> I bring my, my yeah. uh, like portable headphones with me wherever because that's now my like safety item. Okay, yeah. And I'm just like fully clenching it when Aww. the missiles are coming down. Look, I mean, yes, it is. I see it as a melancholy ending. Yes. A little bit bittersweet. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it ends with his death and it's, it's sad. But it, it ends on kind of a, a sweet little note there. And for those of you that don't know... Um, this movie heavily references on her Majesty's secret service. And in particular, the use of the phrase and the song we have all the time in the world, mm-hmm. um, which I think was done really, really beautifully, especially there at the very end um, to have an end of that song is just really, really touching. So it's great. Yeah. 
Loved it. Super happy with it. Me too. Yes. But thank you, Cameron, for giving me a platform to talk at length about James Bond. Hey, you know, we can't all be X-Ray Vision giving you <laughs> the national platform that you deserve. I got more time here, though, because it's my show. Yes. So, <laughs> um, but yes. And you know what? The nice thing is this is the I'm pretty sure I can say this is the last time I will talk at length about James Bond on this podcast. No, we'll find a way in the, in the, like the eight episodes we have remaining. We'll find a way. Okay. But thank you for letting me take the time to do that. But I think this ends it for us this week. We will be back next week with episode 200 covering <sighs> epilogue. What? I wish I could say we planned this. I think you may have planned we did. this. We, okay. I actually manipulated how we cover the episodes that we would hit 200 at epilogue. I mean, it kind of worked out by coincidence, but I also like changed things around a little bit to make this happen. Yes. It's been a long plan for you. I just kind of stumbled somewhere in the You room. just go along with me for the ride, and I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week to discuss that. Uh, until then, you can find us at TimTalkPod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes, 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 yes. You can find me at Lordifer on Instagram. Yes, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Nice. I've not done a single Inktober thing this week, this year. No one expected you to, Cameron. Nope. Yep. Every year, diminishing returns. <laughs> so if anything, you've been consistent. I'll do one. I'll get one in by, by the 31st. Sure you will. I'm not. Sure you will. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Uh, bye. Bye. Beautiful. Actually got it that time. You were on it. Yeah. Tim Talk will return. Ha, ha, ha.